This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 26 minutes past 12, and it's appropriate that we're going to talk about pop and sugary beverages. Maybe you're enjoying one right now over the lunch hour. A story came out yesterday morning revealing that representatives with the federal government have been weighing the pros and cons of a financial deterrent aimed at discouraging Canadians from drinking sugar-filled beverages. The move is being made in Ottawa because of the urging of the people at the Heart and Stroke Foundation who say sugary drinks are a significant driver of chronic disease and obesity. They're suggesting a five-cent tax for every 100 milliliters of pop or sugar-sweetened beverages. What do you think? Should there be a tax on pop? And if you like the idea of a financial deterrent, where should this extra money go? Where should this tax money go? 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. Manuel Arango is the Director of Health Policy and Advocacy for the Heart and Stroke Foundation and joins us now on the line. Manuel, do you think the Canadian public would be in favor of a tax on POP? Well, actually, we've done polling where we have asked Canadians um, if we were to uh, put a levy in place on sugary drinks and we use the revenues to fund healthy living programs, uh, such as uh, providing fruits and vegetables to kids that live in poverty or safe drinking water in Indigenous communities, northern and remote communities, and three-quarters of Canadians say they support it because they know that's a good use of the money. And that concept of five cents for every 100 milliliters. How do you come up with that kind of an equation? Well, that is actually an example. Um, okay. So there was a study that was done uh, a few years ago, and they made that calculation. And that five cents per 100 milliliter could raise $1.8 billion that could be used for healthy living programs. Um, uh, bottom line is that we know from international studies that if you can increase the price of a sugary drink by 20%, it has an impact on, on consumption levels, and that has a huge impact on health and a huge impact on health care costs. Um, we know that a levy works. It's worked in Mexico. There has to be an awareness campaign in tandem, though, right? I mean, otherwise you're just going to get people who love drinking their sugary pop saying, oh, I'm upset that I have to pay more for it, when the idea is really to get them to not buy it in the first place. So there, uh, you're absolutely correct. Uh, to address a lot of health issues, you have to do a number of things. So you have to use a, what we call a comprehensive strategy. That was what was done with tobacco. So you need to have um, you know, price controls uh, to ensure that you don't encourage people to drink uh, the sugary drink if it's cheap. Um, and as well, you need to ensure that you don't market the products. You don't allow companies to market the products to kids um, so there's a number of different things you have to do, not just price, but price is a really important part of it. Angela in Woodbridge, you have a comment you'd like to add to this conversation. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just saying that this, uh, your topic is so topical because last night I watched uh, Fed Up, mm-hmm. and on the weekend I also watched The Passionate Eye, and they talked about In Defense of Food with Michael Pollan. 
and uh, how uh, and they were talking about how sugar is now the new cigarettes and how the government in the U.S. fought cigarette companies for 50 years because they kept saying that, you know, cigarettes were not uh, addictive, they weren't um, harming. And now the whole controversy around sugar, and they're saying that now sugar is the new cigarettes and how, you know, it's going to be proved that it's very addictive and how um, when people eat sugar, it's similar to um, heroin or cocaine in, in the brain. So I just thought this was so topical. And I, I strongly believe there should be a tax on all sugary drinks. And uh, that's my belief. Do you drink sugary beverages yourself? No, I don't buy them anymore. I stopped buying them. It's been the last 10 years. I don't bring any sugary pop. or And I stopped buying orange juice, too, because um, I'm trying to focus my family on eating fresh fruit and getting their vitamins and fiber that way. And all I buy is the water. And even that, I'm trying to say, when you're at home, drink the tap water and just leave the bottled water for when you go out. And how does your family, how do they live and respond to this change in your ways? Actually, they love it. They don't uh, even order when we go out now. They don't even order uh, pop. They order water. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just like, you know, a lot of parents will think, oh, I don't want to deny my kids the cookies or the pop. But, you know, you're teaching them a lifestyle. Manuel, what is it about sugar that negatively affects our health? What's going on in our bodies when we're consuming sugar? Uh, Well, the thing is about liquid sugar as opposed to sugar in food is that when you drink liquid sugar, you don't get the same feeling of fullness. So it's very easy to overconsume liquid sugar. So that's why we're so concerned with sugary drinks. Mm -hmm. I also just want to pick up on a point made by the caller um, and with respect to juice. For many years, we've thought, well, juice is a healthy option. When in fact, now we're learning and there's a lot of studies to indicate that some juices have a lot more sugar than pop. Um, So we're warning Canadians to stick to drinking to water and low-fat milk um, and to drop all sugary drinks. So even in an orange juice that says 100% orange juice, we're still getting sugar? We're getting sometimes 33% more sugar than in pop. Um, So that is a really big learning um, in the scientific community over the last few years. And I think a lot more Canadians are starting to understand that now. Danielle in Mississauga, go ahead. You're on Zoomer Radio. Hello. Hi, Danielle. Your comment? Um, I'm against the tax. Okay. Um, I think rather the government or the government body should try and encourage people to drink more water by maybe subsidizing the price of water filtration uh, units that can be put in homes or in apartments. So so do the opposite. Reduce the cost of drinking water as opposed to increasing the cost of drinking sugary beverages. Absolutely. Well, that's that's, that's an interesting take, Manuel. What do you think about that? For sure, subsidizing uh, healthy food and uh, healthy drinks is is definitely a part of the solution. So we would support that uh, absolutely. But the problem is that if, you know, and we see this in northern and remote communities, when the milk is so much more expensive than the water, um, uh, uh, sorry, rather than the pop or the sugary drinks, what happens is people just go to the cheaper alternative. Yes. You've got to make sure that the unhealthy drinks are more expensive than 
the healthy drinks. No, that does make sense. We're speaking with Manuel Arango, Director of Health Policy and Advocacy for the Heart and Stroke Foundation, the organization that's urging the federal government to have a conversation about possibly putting a tax on pop and other sugary beverages. Your comments are welcome. 416-360-0740-1866-744-740. Jody and Scarborough, go ahead. You're on Fight Back. Hello. Hi. What's your Hi. comment? Uh, yes, I have a concern about some drinks that are supposed to be nutritional drinks like the Insure that do not list the sugar content on the nutrition guide. And apparently they're allowed by Health Canada not to show it. They incorporate it under carbohydrates. Oh, okay. And uh, I was looking at the, the diabetic one. It shows it has 4.4 sugars. The regular one does not list the sugar, so I phoned their 800 number to find out what is the sugar content. Mm -hmm. And it is massive, Jane. There's 29-some grams of corn dextrose or whatever, and then another 12 grams of another type of sugar. In one drink of Ensure? Yes, and they put it under the carbs. They don't show sugar at all. And here, Manuel, we would think a drink like Ensure, especially for older people, is going to be good for them. This information would suggest the opposite. Well, well I, we was do just, know. I was just astounded. And while I'm on the phone, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but the gentleman uh, mentioned that milk is, you know, good for you. And I drink a lot of milk because I'm a senior and I, you know, whatever. And uh, the sugar content on the nutrition label for any type of milk, whether it's skim or 3% or whatever, is about 12 to 13 grams. And I'm wondering, what kind of sugar is that? Because when I look at the um, lactose-free milk, it's showing the same thing, about 12 to 13 grams. So is that a different type of sugar okay. in the milk? Jody, let's get Manuel to address your questions. First about the insurer and the information that Jody received about all those grams of sugar per drink. Well, uh, we de- definitely recommend to Canadians that they read the nutrition facts table um, when it comes to sugar content of drinks. And we do know that there are going to be changes coming to how we label sugars in the nutrition facts table by the government. So that's going to happen over the next few years. So it will help to address that. Um, absolutely. Um, and your second question, sorry. About milk. Uh, yeah. Jody was saying that milk has 12 grams of sugar per serving. Right. So we at the Heart and Stroke Foundation, what we do tell Canadians is that they should not be concerned about the sugar content found in healthy foods, such as nuts, legumes, fruits, vegetables, uh, and uh, certain milk alternatives, milk products. A reason is that those products are loaded with nutrients and a lot of other vitamins. Um, So as long as they're not over-consuming them, um, then it's very good for their health. And the reality of the matter is that we know that people in Canada and across the world do not over-consume fruits, vegetables, uh, low-fat milk, uh, nuts, legumes, etc., these healthy foods. So we say don't be concerned about sugar in healthy food. Be concerned about the sugars in sugary drinks that have added sugars, free sugars, etc. How much refined sugar are we consuming as Canadians, and what is the healthy amount per day? So uh, the Heart and Stroke Foundation, just like the World Health Organization, recommends that Canadians should not consume more than 10% of their daily caloric intake from what we call free sugars. Mm -hmm. Those are the sugars that are found in those unhealthy foods I just spoke about in drinks. 
Um, so if you can limit it to 10% or less, um, that is very beneficial for health, and it's been demonstrated that that's the case. Um, uh, in Canada, we consume more than that, so we really need to get that down. Is our obesity situation better than other developed nations around the world, or are we falling into the same pattern? So we, we certainly do have unfavorable over, ob, obesity and overweight rates. Uh, Canadian adults, about 60%, among kids, around 32%. Uh, we're not as bad as the U.S. and Mexico, for example, and those are countries that are really looking at the issue of sugary drinks and trying to apply levies um, to sugary drinks because they have very serious obesity problems. So. As an industrialized country, we're not doing great, but we're certainly better off than the U.S. or Mexico. Michael in Mississauga, you're on Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Go ahead. Good afternoon. How are you today? Very well. What's your comment? Well, my comment is simple. We don't need more taxes. As a senior, I'm getting tired of being taxed to death on every little thing, that the few luxuries that we still have. I am a bit of a pop drinker, but not nearly what I was when I was in my youth. I do agree that the, the cause of giving the five cents per tax on each drink or whatever is going to go to a charity. My big problem is that 90% of the time I find that when a government gets involved in doing something that's really good for my health, I get screwed over. And that's a good comment, Michael. You know, what do you say? I just want to hear what Manuel says say about that. Before you get Manuel on. Yes. They tried this in the States. It didn't work. They've tried it in other countries. It didn't work. They tried it with smoking. People still smoke. They're going to smoke. They're going to drink. You tax them to death. They're still going to do it. Maybe not as much. I mean, I personally don't, don't drink as much as I used to. I became a diabetic eight years ago when I retired. And I still, I'm not going out and buying diabetic chocolates because the only people that seem to win here are the people who make these specialty products, and the price doubles on that product. We got the HST, we got all this other stuff, but every time I go and get a bill from a gas company or something, I look at it and I've paid more money for getting it delivered, the tax and everything else, than what I actually used. So Manuel, what about that? How do we know that this tax money is supposed to go where it's going to go? What, what kind of policy would be put in place if there was an actual extra tax on POP? Well, there would have to be a responsibility and agreement by the government that the funds would be used to support healthy living programs. Uh, just let me address a few other points. We know that with tobacco taxes, we used to have in the 1960s and 70s, 60% of Canadians smoking. That's down to 14% now. And uh, that's in large part due to the fact that we have increased tobacco taxes significantly. So they work. The, uh, the sugary drink tax in Mexico has worked. We know that in the first year that it was implemented, it led to a reduction of as high as 12% in the sales of sugary drinks and even higher amongst low-income people that drink more pop. So it really works in that respect. Well, we can um, certainly see evidence of that with the tobacco. If you're saying that 60% of Canadians smoked, is that what you said, 60%? Yes, way back in the day. Right, and now 14%? I mean, that shows that extra taxes do work. Absolutely. And, you know, we don't. We understand that individuals certainly have a responsibility to address their own lifestyle. We're not saying the government has to do it all. That's mm -hmm. not the case. But the reality is that if you have cheap sugary drinks available and the healthy drinks are expensive and the 
unhealthy drinks are marketed heavily to kids, and then there's very little access to healthy drinks and very easy access to unhealthy drinks and, and food, well, then you know what? People are going to be unhealthy because it's really hard for them to be healthy if we don't make the healthy choice the easy choice. Where is this policy at? We know from the story from the Canadian press that the discussions have been going on at the federal level about financial deterrence for uh, buying sugary drinks and pop. Is this something we're going to see happen in the near future? Uh, I'm quite confident that it's going to happen. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lot of work. Uh, we know that in Mexico, that in Philadelphia, that in Berkeley, and in other countries where this has been done, the industry spends millions and millions of dollars to fight it because they're interested in their profits, not in the uh, health of kids or of low-income people. So um, it, it, it you know, becomes a bit of a battle, but eventually, if, you know, we know that it, with uh, uh, good, strong campaigns uh, and with people on board, uh, citizens on board, uh, we can get results. It's been it's happened in many, many countries. Manuel, I appreciate your information and your conversation. Thank you very much. Manuel Arengo with the Heart and Stroke Foundation. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.